The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. The network has grown. We've added new podcasts to our ranks recently, bringing the total number of podcasts up to almost 30. I said 30 last time, but I meant almost 30. I got really excited. Sorry about that. Find out more about our shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com and stick around to the end of this episode so I can tell you about a particular Alberta Podcast Network show that I love the broadcast. Also, I wanted to let you know about a new project that I'm working on. If you have any interest at all in Alberta and Canadian politics, you're going to love this. The Dave Berta podcast just launched last week. It features co-host Dave Cornway, a well-known political blogger here in Alberta, and Ryan Hastman, political watcher, former political operative, and two-time a federal conservative candidate. I act as producer on the show, so you won't hear my voice very much, but Ryan and Dave are terribly insightful on all manner of political subjects like donut economics and strange Alberta political history. Divergent views of politics today is what the show is all about and what naturally happens when you put a big C conservative and small L liberal in the podcast studio together. Look for the Dave Berta podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you look at a map of the UK, it's tough to miss London, sitting there on the River Thames, sort of in the southeastern quadrant of the map. Now trace your finger north up to Peterborough and go north even more, and you'll find yourself passing through the town of Grantham, the birthplace of Margaret Thatcher, not, as so many of you thought, of the fictional Earl of Grantham from Downton Abbey. Join me as we pass through Newark-on-Trent, heading northeast to a cathedral city in the East Midlands called Lincoln on the expats. Welcome to the Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Frédéric Lemieux, French-Canadian, fell in love with a man online, and when the internet wasn't enough to contain their relationship, she made her way to the UK, to a place which, before this interview, was not at all on my radar, Lincoln in Lincolnshire. It's a small um, historic city. It's about two hours north of London. And what is it that brought you to Lincoln? Um, I moved to the UK for my boyfriend. Um, I met my boyfriend online a few years ago, um, and we were great friends for a few years until I let the guy I was with at the time, and he decided to leave his wife and fly to Canada to meet me, and we've been together since then. Wow. So you met online <laughs> across an ocean? That's how that worked out? Yes. it's um, Yeah, we... We just became friends, actually. Uh, we're both photographers who so talk about photos, traveling. Uh, I was very impressed because at the time he was just back from Japan, and I thought it was amazing that he was traveling so much. Um, and we, we just became friends, and, you know, life happened. And when we met up, he kissed me at the airport, like in the movies, and the fairy tale started. So <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So that yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's when you think about it, when you know, when you 
the time to think bad about it. It's just, it's been such a whirlwind. I, um, he visited in June 2015. I came to the UK for the first time in September 2015. It was my first time traveling abroad. What did, your, yes. what did your family think of this, this, this new romance and you sort of picking up your life a little bit to go and see this man? Um, well, they met Edward the first time he came to Canada in June, and I think they loved him as much as I did. <laughs> um, of course, the language barrier was uh, made things a bit complicated because um, Eddie doesn't speak much French and my family doesn't speak much English. Uh, so I did loads of translation at the time, but I think they really liked it. He got along with everyone. Um, they were a bit surprised when I came in September and I flew back, I think, the 16th of September on the 13th of October, the same year, out of visa. And I was ready to move. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. So you move out there for love. Uh, are you Are you working as well? Yes, um, I'm working at the moment as, as a translator. I work for a company that uh, reviews fitness program, diet pills, uh, write about nutrition, sports, that kind of stuff, and I translate their website at the moment. Oh, cool. Um, towards French, which is actually what I did. Um, I, I have a degree in translation and professional writing, so I was lucky enough to find a job in my own field, which is fantastic. Was it uh, was it difficult to find that kind of work or pretty straightforward? Um, I would say I moved here um, just before the Brexit. So obviously it was a bit complicated at the time finding a job. And the first job I got when I was, when I, um, I started working in the UK was totally out of my field. It didn't go very well. But when I quit and found the job I'm currently at, it's been actually pretty easy. Um, I think the, the fear was mostly when I applied for big companies or banks or that kind of stuff because there was an uncertainty that I would be able to stay on the longer term. Um, but my boss is great. Uh, I'm not the only expat in the office. We have a, a Spanish girl, a Polish girl, so I'm not the only one, which is actually pretty great i don't feel so lonely <laughs> now you mentioned brexit uh, other than you know the trying to find work in in like the banking sector has it materially impacted your and your partner's life at all or is it kind of just one of those things we hear about on the news i would say it impacted us in the sense that it's now very complicated to get a visa i'm currently trying to renew it well actually get a new visa and they like to reject them for the tiniest bit. The price for the visa has gone up. Um, we're talking here 800 pounds more Whoa. in my case. So yeah, it, it's a lot of more money. Uh, it's a lot more complicated. We have to prove that we've been together for two years, that we have lived together for two years, that we've been together for more than that. Um, the the amount of paperwork is just insane. <laughs> is it is it more insane than when you first came over? I had my visa in three days when I came over. I drove to Ottawa from Quebec to uh, get my biometrics, and three days after, I had a, an email saying I'd been accepted. So it was really easy. What a change! Yeah, uh, it makes quite a difference to apply within the country, and if it's rejected, you have two weeks to pack your suitcase and get out before you can appeal. 
So it's a bit stressful at the moment. It, it did impact our life in that way. Um, it did impact me personally, I would say, the first two weeks after the Brexit, going in town and, you know, going to a coffee shop or a store and having people looking at me when I open my mouth because, as you can hear, I have quite, a, quite an accent. Um, most people can trace it. I've been asked if I'm German or if I'm Croatian, French a few times, but rarely. <laughs> hmm. So it, it, um, if that's what's happening, how then are you know, the British regarding you as, as being a Canadian, do they, do they kind of want you to get out of their country or are they, when you tell them you're from Canada, does their attitude sort of change? Unfortunately, I would say change. When I say, oh no, I'm Canadian, uh, they tell me, oh, well, you're from the Commonwealth. And I'm like, yeah, you know, when you, you ask if you're Polish or German, there's always a bit of a, a coldness to it. And, when you say, you know, people talk about immigration, especially around the Brexit referendum, and you're in the room and you're like, well, you're aware that I am an immigrant, right? No, but not you. So, yes, it's a bit, um, I would say there's a, a double standard here. So I, I count myself lucky to be Canadian. Having the same queen of as its advantage, I guess it makes it easier for me to get a visa than it would for people from Syria whatever other country i think but it sounds like that makes you feel uncomfortable the the fact that you're there is this double standard that you in a way are are able to take advantage of um it does i think well you're canadian so you know we've received many refugees in the past few years mm -hmm. um canada is a very welcoming country and the kind of comments i hear here about immigration is something i've never heard in canada we went to France a few months ago and I saw so many refugees in the street, people begging in the street, and people just don't really seem to care. Where in Canada, we welcomed them uh, at the airport. I think it was somewhere west. They welcomed refugees at the airport with mittens and tucks and uh, warm clothes. You know, So there's, there's a different view on immigration, I think, that I was not used to. Um, so yes, it does make me a bit uncomfortable. I, I count myself lucky, but it's still not really comfortable. We're going to take just a quick break so I can tell you a bit more about our sponsor for this episode, Edmonton Community Foundation. If you're working on a project and need a little bit of help on the budgetary side of things, you should check out Edmonton Community Foundation's different grant programs. One that I wanted to highlight is the Young Edmonton Grants, a program aimed at kickstarting the ideas of young Edmontonians between the ages of 13 and 24. If you have an idea for a project you should apply, no matter how zany that idea is, if you don't ask for support, they can't even consider your application. This is about being creative like it was for Todd Hausman and Ben Gorodetsky. In 2016, Todd and Ben got nearly $3,000 from ECF for an indigenous storytelling event called Stories on the Hills. The event took place at Fort Edmonton Park with improv troupe Folklords and other respected indigenous storytellers, including Elder Jerry Saddleback and Grand Chief Tony Alexis. The event had musical entertainment and visual storytelling through painting and poetry. A truly unique and maybe when they were first kicking it around, zany idea. Visit ecfoundation.org for more information. That's ecfoundation.org to find a grant that may help your next project. And now, on with the show. Tell me a little bit about what their perception is of Canada. I mean, obviously, they like that we're a Commonwealth country, but 
what do they what do they know about Canadians? Are there any hilarious stereotypes that you've encountered? Well, I, I have no right to complain that I'm cold, apparently, because every time I get the, but you're Canadian. <laughs> I, yes, I know, but it's not cold all year long. <laughs> um, I'm from Quebec. We have actually very warm summers. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, this is the stereotype. They really um, think we cannot be cold because we're used to it. Um <laughs> My love for maple syrup has made many of my friends laugh. My my dad sent me actually cans of maple syrup every few months because I cannot live without my Canadian syrup. <laughs> <laughs> so that has made people laugh. But um, I would say around me, um, my boyfriend's friend, uh, his family, people have been very welcoming and very welcoming of my culture as well. A few years ago, a few weeks ago, we had um, a Canadian barbecue, so I prepared Canadian classics for everyone we had canadian flags and hanging in the garage um so people have been really open to that well that's cool have have you been teased at all about poutine while you've been there (laughs) people do not get it people (laughs) have they're like but what is poutine i'm like well it's you know chips with gravy and cheese and they're like okay but why i'm like i don't know why do you fry fish you know (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Oh, that's great. Uh, I think the, the what is the most mysterious food though um is um I'm not I'm not actually sure that's how you call it in English, but maple taffy on the snow. Oh yeah. Um, a little cabana sucre sort of thing, right? Yes, this is mystifying for most of them. Is that because they're not used to seeing snow and maple syrup in the same place? <laughs> I have a funny story about um taffy. I took my boyfriend, when he came to Quebec, I took him to um, a place in Old Quebec in the historic quarter to have taffy on the snow. And he started licking it and he was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is the best thing I've ever had. I was like, does it come out of the tree like that? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, do you see people licking the trees? No, it doesn't. <laughs> That's still my favorite anecdote about the, the cultural difference. It's like, he was so... Amazed. I've never seen him so happy. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, um, about you know, British customs and how they're different from Canada. Is there anything that you've had to really get used to or, or that you still haven't gotten used to? I have to say the first six months I were here were very difficult. I didn't expect the cultural shock because I don't know what actually. I think I was, I spent too much time being excited and sorting out all the paperwork around moving here. Um, to think about it. But when I moved there, we lived with my in-laws for a few months. Um, and they are very British, which is fantastic. But I was really put into a very British household. <laughs> and suddenly I came there with my, my Canadian way of doing things. And it, it did create a bit of a shock, I think both for them and me. What was it about? about describe what it means to be very British. Um, they're very traditionally British, so the food they eat, the way they do things, the way they speak, um, you know, it, it is a stereotype, but it is a real stereotype that British people talk a lot about whether they um, are very polite, they don't, you know, they, if someone cut the, the line or the queue, as they say here, they, they'll, they'll talk a bit, but they won't say anything, where in Canada we would. 
Um, so I tend to speak my mind much more than my in-laws or more people around here. And sometimes it upsets people. So it's something I have to, um, I've had to learn to hold back a bit on that kind of thing. Um, you know, talk about the weather first and foremost and do not argue about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, in a lot of the interviews that I do with expats, living in places like, for example, the United States, in the US, you, we're, Canadians seem shy. We're not as direct as Americans. But what you're telling me is there's this sort of cultural relativism where in the UK, Canadians are actually, or maybe it's French Canadians, I don't know. But we're actually, we can actually <laughs> be really Maybe it's the French side of it. Yeah, I wonder if that's, I wonder if that's part of it. I, I believe it probably is. Um, it possibly is. Um, I have to say I've visited very little of the English Canada. Um, but what I've noticed when I did is that French Canadians tend to be a bit maybe louder and more expressive. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I've been told in the UK that, you know, I'm a bit loud. I, I'm not worried about laughing aloud in public or that kind of stuff where people here have a little muffled laugh. Um, so, yes, it's, it's, it's different uh, from the other country I've visited. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to say it, but I really feel home here. Oh, wow. I wouldn't move back. Really? That's, that's impressive. I, you know, I would assume that, you know, being in an English speaking country where you're used to speaking French a lot would, would cause you some desire to want to move back home. No, I do miss speaking French. Um, I think being a translator as well, you know, I get to read in French and write in French every day. So, um, it tamed down the need a bit. But yeah, I do miss speaking French. Um, I speak French a lot to my cat. My cat came with me from Canada, so I, <laughs> I get to speak French with him. <laughs> Does he speak back ever? That would be troubling. No, he meows back, but he doesn't talk, <laughs> hopefully. I think I, oh gosh, I would have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so have you had an opportunity to visit uh, France at all since you've been there? Yes, we've been to Paris, um, I would say last year. Yeah. And I didn't get to speak much French. <laughs> Why is that? Um, well, I think to speak English with my boyfriend, I found people would just assume that we were both Anglophones and they would address us um, in English. And, and I actually have a funny story about that. I was sick when we were in France. I got stung by a bee and I had a bad allergic reaction and I had to go to the, uh, the pharmacy, to the drugstore. And I, I walked in speaking English with Edward, and when I addressed the lady in French, she kept answering in English. And I had to get a bit angry and say, well, listen, French is my first language. Can we do this in French? And she didn't recognize my accent at all. <laughs> huh. So, yeah, um, so I did get to speak French, but very little. That's interesting, because I often hear um, the people, French people in France, uh, if they don't like the way you're speaking French, they will engage you in English. And it sounds like maybe that's what was happening to you. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. We went during a very touristic season, though. So maybe they're just so used to speaking English to people in most touristic places that that's what they do automatically. I'm surprised they couldn't place your accent. I'm surprised, too. Um, I was told we went to a restaurant one night, and I... <laughs> funny story. I ordered... Um, Tea glassy, iced tea. But in France, in Paris, they say iced tea too. They don't translate it. So that's how she she knew I was from Quebec. And when I 
told her, yeah, yeah, I'm from Quebec. She was like, I would have never guessed with your accent. So maybe I don't have a real French Canadian accent. I don't know. <laughs> maybe uh, some of the British accent has started to creep into the way you speak. I've been told so by by my family. When I talk to my dad sometimes, um, and he hears me speaking English to Eddie's around, he tells me, your accent has gotten so British now. And I'm like, well, British people don't seem to think so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he does he does say quite a lot that my accent has gotten British, the way I say things. Um I've learned to say, you know, um rubbish instead of um trash or um trunk instead of a car booth. <laughs> a few things like that, a few words like that, that but I'm I'm guessing it's easier for me to adapt to the British English than it is for, you know, English Canadian to adapt the language because since it's not my first language it's easier for me to change the way I talk yeah that's an interesting insight I hadn't considered that <laughs> oh, well that's a linguist insight <laughs> <laughs> there you go so you you made this big life change you met uh, a man that you fell in love with and you moved away to to spend time with him what advice would you give to other Canadians who might be in a similar situation entertaining moving for love um i would say do your research i moved there i knew barely anything about my city if i would be able to find a job in my field um and gosh, thank thank god i had eddie to do all the house paperwork and that kind of stuff because i had no idea we rented a house i have no idea what's on the lease or whatever because <laughs> i i just couldn't understand uh, most of the lot. So I would say start by doing loads of research. Make sure that's what you want. I know so many people who moved for love and actually don't, don't like the country and would like to move back and stay here because they have um, her husband or children's here. Um, so I would say make sure that it's really what you want because as amazing as it is to move country, it is difficult. There is a cultural shock. There is a language shock even even if english is your first language um you know you get told about your accent and you get asked if you're american a lot <laughs> from what i gather from other canadian um you will miss food so bring food and bring medication in your suitcase because they don't have strong medication here oh wow <laughs> um well it sounds silly but uh, i think that the some of the things I miss the most are actually, you know, um, headache pills or gravol, which is something for nausea, you know, stronger painkillers because they are to come by here. <laughs> oh, that's it. I had no idea. That's really unusual. I don't know why. I think they have more strict regulation about medication. But, you know, having extra strong uh, Tylenol, what we have in Canada, you can buy it, you know, at the pharmacy. But here you have to actually ask it at the counter or get a prescription. Oh. for most those that we would get in Canada. So, it, you know, it's good to have a, a little stash, bring some food that you will miss, deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, pack it for a few months until you, you found your bearings. And, yeah, but I think the most thing is to do your research and make sure this is what you want, no matter the reason yeah. why you move. And make sure you have someone who can supply you with endless cans of maple syrup. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
That concludes this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself, and let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to The Expats wherever you download your podcasts, and make sure you leave us a review. That would help us out a lot. You can also follow and like us on both Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Expats Podcast. The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. Now, I talked about politics at the top of this show, and there's another politics podcast you simply cannot miss. The Broadcast, hosted by Alex Zabchek and Trisha Estabrooks, is a show all about women and politics. It's a podcast you need in your life, and not just because of the strange and horrific times we live in, but because Alex and Trisha offer up some terrific insight into politics in Edmonton, Alberta, and Canada, all from women's perspectives. You definitely want to check out their latest episode, which includes a chat with the Right Honourable Kim Campbell, Canada's first and tragically only woman Prime Minister. Also, you can hear the broadcast, the expats, and other fantastic Alberta Podcast Network shows on the always available G-Radio. Visit gradio.ca to discover a new and excellent content today. And if you happen to be a fan of CKUA Radio in Alberta like me, you should download the CKUA app where you'll be able to access all Alberta Podcast Network shows directly. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks for our last episode before a little break over Christmas.